Morning, church. Today's reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, num numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit it, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how Jesus, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Reese, and I'm the assistant pastor to youth here at Westlake. Good to see you all. This morning we're continuing in our sermon series, Encounters with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles or phones or iPads with you, please do keep Mark 5 open. Now it's a lovely day here at Montreuil, isn't it? Nice and light. But this morning we're going to be thinking about darkness and Jesus' power over it as he encounters the demon-possessed man that we heard about in this chapter. I don't know if you keep up with the news, it doesn't take much, does it, to look at it and see that the world is full of darkness, whether it's assassination, whether it's fires, riots, racism, or terrorist attack. There's loads of things going on that point that way. I remember being a child lying in my bed one night after watching something on the news and realizing that the world was a dangerous and wicked place and being thankful for a safe place to fall asleep and there's so many ways that darkness can affect our lives today we're going to look at what seems like a hopeless situation but we're going to see how Jesus transforms this situation full of darkness to bring light to others so we're going to look at Jesus having power over darkness the first point If you're familiar with Mark's gospel, or if you just turn a page back and look at the last chapter, you'll see that Jesus has just calmed a great storm. 
Now the disciples have just had a desperate time on the boat. They thought they were going to drown. And they saw that Jesus has power over nature at the end of that chapter. And now as they step off the boat on the other side of the lake, you'd think that they'd, they'd be so glad after almost dying to get their feet on solid ground. Yet as soon as they get a foot off the boat, they're faced with another desperate situation. Immediately, they're met by a man with an unclean spirit, verse 3. And it says that he lived among the tombs. He lived among the tombs. He's surrounded by death. And not only that, but he, he sleeps and lives among the graves. Probably the burial caves cut out of the rock on the hillside. The smell of death, the sight of death, the darkness of the caves. This man was consumed by darkness. In Luke's account, in Luke 8, it tells us that for a long time this man hadn't lived in a house or worn clothes. This man is in a desperate situation. He's out of control in all areas of his life. The people who knew him had tried to um, help him, had tried to control him, subdue him, but he's spiraling more and more out of control. And now they can't even bind him with a chain. With his demonic strength, he wrenches the chains apart and breaks the metal shackles, we're told in verse 4. I don't know if you've seen the Marvel movies, but he's like the Incredible Hulk. He's, he can't be stopped by anybody. He's this raging, uncontrollable force. And he goes where he wants, day or night, causing destruction. I wonder what you would do if you met this man in Lausanne. What would be your thoughts as he came towards you? Would you run away? Would you call the police? You certainly wouldn't let your children walk to school, would you? Maybe you wouldn't want to walk anywhere alone either if he was around. You'd try and stay well away. But Jesus and the disciples don't have that option here. He sees them and he runs towards them. When this formidable figure reaches them, what does he do? Well, verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. As Jesus encounters this man, he doesn't only encounter the man, but he encounters the evil spirits also. And the first thing that he does when he encounters Jesus is fall at his feet. Now this could be because of the man's desperation, but also because of the demons submitting before Jesus. The demons in this man reveal to Jesus that their name is Legion, because they are many. A Roman legion was the biggest unit in the Roman army, and it would have had up to 6,000 soldiers in it. Now, that doesn't mean there were exactly 6,000 spirits, but there were a lot. Now, having some crazed man run towards them, you'd imagine that if this was a movie or a fantasy novel, you'd expect at this point to have a, a big fight where good just about overcomes evil in the end. But there's no big fight. There's no fair fight. There's, there's no fight at all. There isn't any fight. It's not like the Euro final where it goes down to penalties. And neither is it one good guy against 6,000 bad guys, against insurmountable odds of evil like Frodo sneaking through Mordor in Lord of the Rings. This 
is the almighty son of God at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And to prove it, that's exactly what this legion of evil does as they meet Jesus on the edge of the lake. These thousands of demons have no option but to cower in front of him. And they reveal something that not even the disciples have managed to grasp yet in the book of Mark. Verse 7, And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? On their knees they confess that Jesus is the son of the most high God. These evil spirits that no one else could control or subdue and have cast such fear and darkness around the area, now all they can do is beg to be spared the torment of hell for a bit longer. Verse 12. By being sent into the pigs. The spirits know that what Jesus says to them will decide their fate because they know he has complete power over darkness and all Jesus has to do is speak and he gives them permission. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, one question that always arises from this is, why did Jesus give permission for them to go into the pigs? Well, we don't know all the reasons. We can only speculate. But one thing is clear here. We see Jesus' absolute power over this legion of evil. And that everyone else sees that as well because of this situation. If one pig runs into the lake, that's not really a story, is it? Maybe it slipped in. The herdsmen probably wouldn't even report it. The fact that there's 2,000 suggests that there was at least that many evil spirits. And it shows us something of how great Jesus' power is over darkness. These pigs rushing to their deaths gives us a visual picture of what's happening in the unseen world as the evil spirits are cast out of this man by Jesus. The fact that there's so many pigs there also reminds us that Jesus is not in Jewish territory. He's no longer among, amongst the Jews. He's amongst the Gentiles. He's on the Gentile side of the lake now. And yet we see that his power is still supreme. He's not just the king of the Jews. He's not limited by geographical borders or nations. So when we look at the world... And when we see evil and darkness, when we read the headlines tomorrow, we can trust that Jesus has complete power over it all. For Jesus came into the world to bring light. John 1 verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus came to overcome darkness so that we, like this man, could be delivered from it. And that brings us to our next point. Jesus delivers us from darkness. You know, it can be easy in Montreja here looking around the church and just thinking that we've we've got it all together. 
the way we're dressed, the way we're smiling behind our masks, you know. And yet, we all know the things that we've struggled with this week, don't we? We know the things that we've maybe failed at or been challenged with this week. So it seems like we're all sorted, but maybe you've been struggling inwardly this week with temptation or with venting your anger maybe in your thoughts or maybe to people's faces or the things that have been going wrong how you've coped or not coped with them have have shown themselves in the way you've acted responded maybe you felt desperate this week well we can look at this desperate man who falls at Jesus feet and we can quickly form opinions of him how did he end up like that How do you get possessed by so many demons? What choices has this guy made in life to end up in this situation? If we're not careful, then we can see hints of the Pharisee's prayer from the parable that Jesus taught of creeping into our thoughts. I'm glad I'm not like this man. I'm glad I'm not like him. This man is spiritually, physically, mentally and emotionally broken. He's lost everything. He has no control of where his life is going. And in verse 5, we see the main intention of the demons is to destroy this man made in God's image, causing him even to harm himself. Yet Jesus can meet every one of this man's needs. You see verse 15 and verse 19, that after encountering, encountering Jesus, the man is completely transformed. He's now sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. I love that phrase, right mind. After spending time with Jesus, he's in his right mind. And he goes home and he's reconciled with his friends and family, having experienced God's active love and mercy. Because Jesus has power over darkness, he can deliver this man from darkness and just because maybe things aren't as bad for us as they are for this man do we still have it all together here this morning we all too can be spiritually physically mentally and emotionally broken can't we but whatever your chains whatever your addictions Whatever oppression or afflictions that you're facing, Jesus can meet all of your needs because Jesus has power over darkness. He can deliver us from darkness. This man might have heard who Jesus was or he might not, but God's got a plan for him. The evening before, God the Father tells Jesus to go across the lake. God has got a plan to rescue this man Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And now we're not told why there was a storm. It could have been to do with the opposition towards Jesus crossing the lake to heal this man. We don't know. But what we do know is that nothing or nobody can stand in the way of Jesus and his father's plan of redemption. Not even a legion of evil spirits. Not even all evil spirits in the world. Not even Satan. No one. Nothing can stand in the way of God's plan, of God's power, of God's purposes on the cross for us. 
freeing us, breaking those chains. This man comes out of the darkness, out of the tomb. He's desperate and he's tormented. Whereas Jesus, in his love and in his power, take this man's brokenness on the cross. Where Jesus is broken. And yet when he comes out of the darkness, when he comes out of the tomb, Jesus is victorious. There's no darkness too great that Jesus can't overcome. Because he conquered it all on the cross. He went to the cross for your brokenness, for your struggles in the dark. To free you from your chains to sin. And although this demon-possessed man could break his physical chains, there was nothing that he could do to break his spiritual ones. Like I said earlier, we might look like we've got it together in our lives, but only Jesus can free us from those spiritual chains. Only Jesus can free us from those things that no one else here knows about, only him. The things that we struggle with. When we think that this man was delivered from, from all the things he was delivered from, it can also remind us that however bad you or I have been, or however serious our situation is now that we're in, nothing can put us past God's power or his grace. For you or I or any of our friends or family, maybe you look at someone and think, what hope do they have? And you see the way they act or live. What hope do they have? Well, they have a great hope because Jesus is powerful to save. Don't give up on them. Know how good and how big your God is. As Jesus calmed the storm, he calms the demon-possessed man. He has power over nature, he has power over darkness, and he offers his peace to us too. This story is a sobering reminder to us as well of actually how real and powerful evil can be and is. So we also must be wise in remembering, remembering that. You know, um, as, we, as we go around and live in this beautiful environment, we need to remember that there's a spiritual war on until Jesus returns. Martin and I were discussing a few weeks ago how the world is not spiritually neutral. If you go out in the world, you can see that. And so we need to prepare ourselves for that. Jesus teaches us to pray um, in the Lord's Prayer to deliver us from evil. And we also have instructions in Ephesians to put on our spiritual armour daily. Do we take time to do that each morning? Do we get ready like that each morning? Are we prepared for a spiritual battle? Often not. Often our surroundings betray us from that. We look around, it's so beautiful. How bad can it really be? But we need to be aware. We need to be careful. We need to be ready for the day to face the things that we face. And this is quite obvious for some, but we shouldn't get involved with certain things that the world may think are harmless or cool, like Reiki healing or Ouija boards. We need to be aware of these things. Be on the lookout for Wicca. Not Wikipedia, but Wicca. 
more and more people are buying books to learn about how to relate with nature, how to get, get more in touch with nature. And they see Wicca as a harmless way to learn more about herbs and nature, but it actually opens the door to witchcraft and evil. We also want to teach our children to stay away from evil, whether that's at Halloween or at the movies they're watching or the games that they maybe play with non-Christian friends. We need to be careful. I say be careful because there's no need to fear about it. In Christ, there's no need to fear it, but we do need to be aware of it. We need to be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as serpents. We don't need to learn loads about it or to dabble in it. We want to stay holy, don't we? But we know that that's not always easy either, especially when people around us live differently and respond to the darkness in different ways from us. Instead of going towards Jesus, they, they turn away from him instead. And that leads us to our last point this morning, our reaction to the light. There's a Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sound of Silence. It's a great song, great tune, really catchy. But as with most songs, I'm not so sure about the lyrics. Listen to this first lyric here. Hello darkness, my old friend. To people living in darkness, it can seem comfortable and familiar like an old friend, can't it? And that's what it's like for the herdsmen in this story and the townspeople in this Gentile area. If you've ever been in bed and someone's opened up the curtains and you've had the bright sunshine shining right in your face or at night someone gets a powerful torch and shines it in your eyes or the car headlights are on full beam as they approach you. It can hurt, can't it? It can stun you having that light in your face. At the very least, it's uncomfortable. Remember, these, these people aren't Jewish. They're not expecting a Messiah to come and rescue them. Their pagan culture means that they're surrounded by idols and rituals. This is commonplace. And that's a bit like our culture today. Some people say they don't need a Messiah. They're quite happy in the darkness. And they're also surrounded by idols and their own rituals. Over the past decade, there's been an increase in people turning to traditional Swiss healers and their supposed magic powers. This was reported in the Australian press. Once shunned as witches, hypnotists, bone setters, magnetists and herbalists are surfing on the swelling organic waves, experts say, and have gained such acceptance that many Swiss hospitals have even begun referring patients to them. This is happening in the country that we live in. The herdsmen have lost a lot of pigs because of the demons. A lot of, a lot of money. But they'll blame Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is, but they, they know who this demon-possessed man is. They've grown up around him. But now he's no longer demon-possessed, and that scares them. When things happen that can't be explained in a person's worldview, that scares them. They might try and dismiss it. They might, they might try and come up with their own 
theory as to what's happened. Or they can try and look at the evidence and try and discover the truth. But in this case, they send the truth away. They were more comfortable with this man as he was, as they were used to him being. But they weren't comfortable with Jesus. And even if they weren't comfortable with this guy, and they were afraid, with, afraid of him, then they're even more afraid of Jesus. Because what sort of person could overcome those demons and bring about such a transformation? The people don't understand who Jesus is or the power that he has. So they're not only asking him to leave, but we see, verse 17, they beg Jesus to leave. They want Jesus, God's son, who's good and mighty, to go and leave them in their darkness. Is that... Is that you this morning? Are you so comfortable in your own sin that you don't want Jesus shining light into the darkness? Don't be fooled by where the darkness leads. The demons beg and beg repeatedly, verse 10 and verse 12, to be allowed to stay in the Gentile country. They know where they're ultimately going. They fear Jesus' power and they fear his ultimate judgment. But you don't have to share that ultimate judgment with them. Jesus came to free you from that. And we've seen in this passage that he has power to do that. So come before Jesus like the man who was healed and receive his healing, receive his deliverance from darkness and walk in the light. Because in complete contrast to the townspeople, we see the man who had been possessed with demons going to Jesus to beg him to be able to stay with him. Verse 18. And anyone who's experienced God's healing power in their lives, his saving grace, they know that it's a joy to be with him and to stay with him. But in this case, Jesus has a mission for this man. Before Paul takes the gospel to the Gentiles, this man takes a simpler message to them. His life story, which is actually something we can all share, isn't it? We can all do that. We can all tell others our life story. Whereas in other instances in Mark, Jesus warns people to stay quiet after witnessing his power. Among the Gentiles here on this side of the lake, there's no, there's no risk, there's no um, chance, no fear that Jesus is going to be seen as a political or military Messiah, even though he's just defeated a spiritual legion. So this man is free to go and tell of his salvation story. Now you might be here today and you've heard this passage loads of times. Maybe it's old news for you. You look at this story and you've been freed by Jesus and you're keen to go where Jesus wants you to. But what if he has another plan for you? What if it's not where you think that you should go? This man who's been saved wants to spend time with Jesus, wants to get to know him, wants to learn about him and join the disciples. But 
Jesus has another plan for him. And now there's light in the Gentile world. This man is sharing the good news of what God has done for him. And it's going to come with its joys, with its blessings, but it's also going to come with its hardships. People are going to call him names or have a go at him or remind him of his past. Remember all those pigs? Remember when you ran around with no clothes on? They're going to they're give it to him. He's not going to have an easy time, is he? But this is what he's going to do. He's going to go around and he's going to share around the Decapolis. That's the ten cities in the area. Sowing the seed for when Jesus fulfills his mission on the cross and the Holy Spirit goes out to all God's people. And hopefully, as the first Gentile preacher shares the light with the townsfolk, next time they hear the good news about Jesus in a few years, they'll be ready for it. Like a gradual sunrise, they'll hear about the sun's rise from the dead. Instead of a flash, a bright flash of light that's too, too much for them to handle. When confronted with Jesus' power over darkness, we can either choose to stay hidden in the dark or allow the light to shine through us. Are you ready for God's plans in your life this morning? Even if they're unexpected or not what you hoped for. Because in that time, it can sometimes be hard to remember that God knows best. But I wonder how many people were saved because of this man and his story. God knows where he wants us to go with the good news. And to conclude this morning, if you've been delivered from darkness, it doesn't mean that you won't wake up tomorrow and not be tempted to return we need to be reminded to keep walking in the light and showing light and if you mess up this week remember god is gracious return to him confess your sins and he will forgive you maybe a close christian friend or the leader of your small group can help you to be accountable and can help pray with you let's finish with this verse this morning john 8 verse 12 again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for your salvation plan we thank you for the son who goes in power over darkness, over nature, over all things, and conquers. Lord, thank you for defeating death. Thank you for defeating darkness. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Please help us this week to understand more of what that means, and so live it out to those around us. In our King's name we pray. Amen.